helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Today we'll be talking about an important topic that impacts many people, including Christians, but it is often something that is kept secret or hidden, and that is domestic violence. In a two-part series, we're going to explore how violence shows itself in relationships, how scripture can be used by perpetrators to control their victims, and most importantly, how you can get help if you find yourself in this form of relationship. So stay tuned. My name is Melissa Waggett, and I'm the co-host of the Life Transformation Radio Show. I am so happy that you've decided to join us today. This show is brought to you by Elam Counseling Services. And if you want to find out more about Elam Counseling Services, I encourage you to go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. While you're there, please check out our valuable resources, as well as our past podcasts. We also have a toll-free number where you can reach us at 1-877-544-3546. Again, 1-877-544-3546. And with me in studio today is the Director of Elam Counseling Services, Michael Hart. He is also a certified an award-winning, I should say, psychotherapist. And each week he joins us in studio to explore interesting topics from a Christian perspective. So, Michael, I'm so happy to be in studio with you today in exploring this very important topic. I'm so happy to be here, Melissa, and happy that you're here as well, because I think this is a very pertinent and and very important topic because in our church circles, unfortunately, there are many people who are affected by domestic violence, but because of the shame, it is not talked about and people do not even, in some cases, do not even know how to identify whether or not they are suffering from domestic violence and how serious it really is. So this show is going to shed light on the different types of domestic violence to help people to identify the level of risk that they're in. But also, uh, we are going to do a part two of this show. We are going to go a lot more into, into specifics about what to do. But today's show, we want to be able to help people to identify what kind of relationship they're in, whether or not they're at risk. And also, we'll, we'll give some resources at the end of the show that to help people who may find themselves in this very unfortunate and very difficult to deal with situation. So to sort of set the stage, um, because I think oftentimes if you are in this situation, there's probably that sense of feeling alone in the world, that other people aren't going through this. But to set the stage, can you are there any statistics out there about how prevalent domestic violence is? Yes, it is said that uh, there's three out of ten couples that you meet is experiencing some kind of domestic violence in their household. And as we go through different types, you're going to understand all that is involved in this three out of ten because it seems like a very high number. But in uh, counseling settings where people walk through the door of uh, a a counseling center for help, statistics show that one in two of these couples uh, are experiencing or have experienced some form of domestic violence in their relationship. But the, the sad reality is that many of these couples do not talk about it unless they are specifically 
asked by the counselor. And again, in Christian counseling settings, because of the the stigma that that can be on having a husband or a wife that is perpetrating this kind of a, a, a physical abuse, people are very, very reluctant to talk about it. Sometimes it takes four or five sessions before a person is actually able to say, yes, this is happening. And so that's that's that important piece, too, of not necessarily judging the book by its cover, so to speak, yes. and recognizing that this is impacting couples that sit in the same pew as you potentially at church and why this show is so important. So, Michael, um, you alluded to the fact that there's different types of violence that right. can occur in a relationship. And I'm wondering if you can begin to break that down for us. Right. So let me say that this study was done by Johnson and Ferraro in 2000, and they identified five categories, but not only did they identify the five categories, they also told us which is the most dangerous of the five. So our intention today is not to scare anyone or to alarm anyone, but to help people to have an objective look at their relationship so that they can know whether or not they need to reach out for help before it's too late. Because many many, uh, people in this kind of relationship, because they do not understand how serious it is, they, they try to deal with it on their own and situations only get worse until something very serious happening happens exactly and sometimes the type of abuse that's going on makes even undermines your perception of that yes. seriousness which we'll talk about a li- bit, little bit later yes. so what's the first type of uh, violence that was identified in this study the first kind of domestic violence is what is called the couple the common couple violence and by common couple violence what they're referring to is situations where uh, violence in these relationships is not part of a pervasive pattern of control and manipulation. But there may be one or two incidents in which someone has pushed someone or hit someone. And these incidents are usually uh, spread out over many years and are not repetitive. So, These situations are very common. They make up a large percentage of the three in 10 couples who suffer uh, from domestic violence. But nevertheless, one, one incident is one too many. And it's important for us to realize that when you have an incident like this in your relationship, even if it's one, it still puts a stain, an indelible mark on the relationship that uh, that sort of scars the relationship for the remainder of the relationship. But let me say that when we talk about domestic violence, it's important for us to realize that we are not just talking about men abusing women. Although the majority of the of the cases are men abusing women in this type of scenario, the, the common couple violence, uh, statistics uh, from this study show that fifty six percent of the abusers were males and forty four percent of the abusers in this kind of situation were females. However, the study also did show that when the men perpetrated acts of violence, that the harm on the female was much more severe than the opposite way around. And that's understandable because of the the difference in body mass and strength and so forth. So this is the the, the first kind, the common couple violence is one of the, the first of the five. I'm wondering too in this type, after the violent event happens, 
Um, was there anything to identify how the person who caused the violent act responds? Yes, that's different potentially. Yes. I, I, in 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 most cases of abuse, the the person re- regrets or appears to be sorry after. But in in some of the other cases that we are going to look for, what is different about we're going to look on today. What is different about this this first category, the common couple of violence, is that the abusers are are usually very sincere and very remorseful in the fact that they they perpetrated an act of violence and they they usually don't repeat these acts of violence. Whereas some of the other categories, there's a repetition. Yeah, it's a bit more of a cycle. So what's the second type of violence that can be seen in relationships? This kind of violence is very, a, very, a very interesting one. The second one is what we call violent resistance. And this is very interesting because the violent resistance is very hard for uh, some people to understand when, when you think about how it works because you it sets up a scenario where the person who are not being abused or didn't do the violent act is actually not an innocent party. So the violent resistance is when one partner pushes the other partner into a corner, in, in sometimes literally into a corner until this person is so frustrated and, and, and in, in an attempt to free themselves, they fight themselves out of it. For example, let us take an example of uh, a John and Mary scenario to use two common names. This is not the names of any clients in case there is any comparison, but just names I am drawing out of the hat. So in this case where you have a couple, uh, let us say that John is controlling and he's the kind of person that doesn't want to end arguments. He will argue, argue and frustrates Mary to the point where she wants to stop, but he's, he keeps going and he keeps following her from room to room. And then he backs her into one room and he's arguing for hours. And she said, I need to get out of here. And she's trying to push past him to get out. And he says, no, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to stay here until you listen to me. And then out of frustration, Mary tries to fight her way out of it. And in in an attempt to do so, she scratches him. And then he said, see, look what you have done. You're such a terrible person. And so the, the, the violence in this case, the name it's called violent resistance, is that the person who has been violent is actually resisting the manipulation and the control. This doesn't make the act of violence right, but there is a reason why it's happening. And the person who is who is who is abused in this case is not an innocent party. They are just as just as responsible for the act as the person who committed the act. That's a very interesting picture. I've never heard it described that way before. So that really that example for me really painted that quite clearly in my mind. What is the third type of violent category that we see in relationships? This one is the third one is called uh, mutual violent control. So this is where you have two parties that are abusive. That both partners are abusive to each other. So they might take turn in 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 hurting each other, or they might have these big brawls where it's everything go and and they're they're both uh, fighting. So it's not like one person is a victim and the other person is the abuser. There is no clear cut 
a victim and abuser in this situation. They are both abusing each other. And are there any statistics to show how this plays out in relationships or many any underlying causes that may make people more prone to this type of relationship dynamic? Yes. Yeah, so first of all, the statistics. The first part of your question was the statistics. So the statistics show that in this kind of scenario, 31% of the times the, the, the violence is initiated by the, the male in the relationship. And 8% of the time it's initiated by the female. The other remaining percentage is when there is a mutual uh, 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 attack in, in, in something happens and they're both attacking each other. So again, it's predominantly uh, initiated by, by a male males in this case. But the second part of your question was about underlying uh, reasons behind it or something to that effect. So I think in this case, when you have this kind of a brawl happening, and sometimes, unfortunately, in front of children, it's because there is an underlying lack of impulse control or other mental health issues, and sometimes drug, drug-related drug issues, such as people are drinking, and they're both drunk, and they're losing their sense of control and inhibition, and it leads to this kind of uh, a brawl that keeps happening, and it, it, it's, it's a rep- part of a repetitive uh, situation where ever so, ever so often these big brawls happen. And so this is very destructive for children in these kinds of households. As a matter of fact, all the types are destructive uh, for children uh, as negative impact on children in the household. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Radio Show. This week, we are starting the first part of a two-part series about domestic violence. If you've missed the first half of today's episode, I encourage you to go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-877-544-544. 3546 to get a copy of today's show. So Michael, we're in the middle of describing the different t- ways violence is exhibited in relationships. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what type 4 looks like. Type 4 is what is called dysphoric borderline violence. And this doesn't mean that the 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 violence is borderline, but there might be something about the the personality of the person that might indicate that there is some kind of a personality disorder. There is something that is happening within this person's uh, mental uh, mental health that is contributing to it. A lot of these uh, persons who perpetrate violence, they're very needy. They sometimes have abandonment issues and they go to places, they, they feel rejected very easily and abandoned very easily. They can be very Cling it to use a, a a very common term that is that is used, uh, and so these people they they take offense to simple things like their partner going out with a friend, and so because of the neediness they go to this place of rejection, and it results in them acting in overly impulsive and out of control ways that 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 leads to violence, and this violence is a is a way of 
of trying to control the other person to have all of their attention, all of their time. And, and these persons are usually very insecure. And so in this kind of situation, there there is, as I said earlier, there is usually some kind of personality disorder at the, at the root of it. And so last but not least, there's, um, a, I think you've outlined it here, called intimate terrorism as a type of violence in relationships. Yes. Can you describe a bit more what that means? So intimate terrorism is where a person is in a relationship, in a marital relationship, and it's supposed to be a love relationship. The Bible talks about uh, husband loving your wives as Christ loved the church, and wife be respectful to your husband. Colossians 3.19 tell us that husband are to love their wives and not to be harsh with them. But in this intimate terrorism, what happens is that Terror, terrorism is used as a way of manipulating and controlling the other person. And so it's not a love relationship the way that the Bible calls on us to love one another. It's more of a terror, a, 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 a terror where that person who is abusive uses their power, their, their size, uh, and sometimes not even size, but uses even uh, weapons as a way of threatening the other person to do what they want them to do. So it's in these cases, violence may or may not be a part of it, and we'll talk more about that later. But it's important to realize that just because you have never been hit doesn't mean that you're not in an abusive relationship that there is not domestic violence because violence can be a threat, right? When someone hijacks a plane and they stand at the front of the plane and they say, you know, do as I say or else everyone is going to die. That's a violent act. Even if no one gets killed, it is still violence. And so in domestic situations, sometimes when I see women who are showing the symptoms of someone who, who is being abused and I will ask them, is there any domestic violence in your situ in your home situation? I'll say no, there's none. But when I ask further question, I see that they're living in fear of their partner. And so for many of these women, they can't even do couples counseling with the partner there because they will never feel as if they can really speak about how they really feel because of this this threat that is hanging over their head. So this fifth kind, this intimate terrorism, it's a pervasive pattern of control. Violence may be physical violence in the sense of being hit, may or may not be a part of it. They can even be maybe one incident, but it's not the same as the common uh, couple's violence that we talk about in number one, in, uh, as the first one. This one is where the, the threat of violence is always hanging over the person's head. And and as you said off the top, even being hit or being violent once is one time too many. Yes. But my sense from how you describe this, though, is that this type poses even more risk than some of the others in terms of Absolutely. harm that could even 
worst case scenario cause death to someone. Right, right, absolutely. The, the studies show the, the study that we talked about in the beginning that that was done by by Jacobson and Gottman, I think it is. Uh, these studies show that the, this type of person is the person who is more likely to seriously harm their partner or to kill their partner when the person if the when the person do decide to leave. And they're the, the kind of a person who they may be uh, capable of planning dangerous things and and be be premeditated in in carrying out these actions because it's not that they're losing their cool once in a while. The threat of violence is always there. So, Michael, one of the things I want to loop back to is you alluded to the fact that sometimes you'll see people in your practice and you'll ask if they've experienced domestic violence and they'll say no because they've never been hit, for example. But after you explore some questions with them, their perspective changes a bit. So what I'm wondering is what kind of questions do you have your clients consider to kind of tease out whether or not they're experiencing this type of violence, specifically this intimate terrorism you described? Right. So that's, a, that's such a good question, Melissa, because I wouldn't want to alarm anyone one unnecessary because I know you might be listening to this and you're saying these uh, things that you're talking about, you might be a listener that is saying, this fits my husband and should I be worried? Should I be scared? I'm going to, something bad could happen. Well, there are some questions that we we ask to see how serious the threat is. So these following questions, if you ask these questions and you can identify with any of these questions, your situation is considered uh, uh serious and you should get try to get a professional help for dealing with the relationship and maybe a, a strategy if you plan to leave this abusive relationship uh, develop a strategy of exit with your with your with your therapist and with your support group your church could be your support group that helps you to leave a situation like this in a safe in a safe way so the questions are that you should be you should consider is first do you feel controlled by your partner in various areas of your life. As I said before, the violence is part of a pattern of control. So this person might be controlling the kind of friends that you you should you can talk with, controlling uh, the time that you go out with your girlfriend. You might be going out once every three months, but they don't want you to go and have fun. So they con- they might be controlling even your work time that they don't want you to 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 work. And so if you see this control in many areas of your life, this is the first question: Is it is the control in more than one area of your life. The second question is, is, does your partner seem jealous of you or accuse you of being unfaithful? These uh, individuals are usually very insecure individuals, and even though you might be the most faithful wife and give no reasons at all for, for, for there to be suspicion, this person will still make you feel as if you're doing something wrong and you're guilty of cheating. Are there any other questions people should ask themselves? So in terms of the control, I think it's important to ask yourself whether or not your partner control uh, your time, your money, or make you explain your your whereabouts. And so if you see patterns like this, the person becomes uh, very concerned if you 
went to the grocery store and, and they call you and you didn't answer your phone right away. That is pointing to a need to control and a very deep sense of insecurity that you should be concerned about. So the next question that you should ask yourself is, has your partner ever threatened to hurt you, your loved ones are threatened to hurt him or herself uh, in, 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 at after any argument or or as a partner ever threatened to hurt you if you if you leave the relationship as he or her ever said to you if you ever leave me i'm going to kill you or i'm going to do something really bad just wait and see so these kind of of threats are all part of the intimate terrorism but another question and the final question that we can cover in this episode is has your partner ever stalked you if you're with someone who have stalked and harassed you when you have tried to leave the relationship before then it's quite possible that you're in this intimate uh, terrorism kind of relationship and so i think Michael, I guess a question I have now for you is if if you've gone through that list and people are beginning to think in their own mind about these questions and how it relates to their own relationships, and maybe they're saying yes to one or more of these topics. I know next week we're going to go more into what to do to get help, but for the purposes of today and today's show and the person who may have just gone through that list in their mind, what can they do today to begin to get help? And is there any resources they can reach out to um, after the show ends, for example? I think the, one of the, the, the main thing that you should do is to avoid isolation. I know part of the manipulation of these uh, persons or abusive, especially the, the intimate terrorism, part of the, the, the control is to isolate you from family members, from friends. And they might do this in subtle way. It might just be they get unhappy if you go to visit your mother or a relative. And so avoid isolation at all all cost. Let other people also know about what you're going through. These kind of dysfunctions grow in secrecy. As long as you keep what's happening in your household a secret, the patterns are likely to continue. And also, you should know how to reach out for help. You will probably need professional help to get through what you're going through. When you've been abused, especially for many years, your self-esteem becomes damaged and you can get into a psychological state where you actually minimize the abuse or feel as if you are responsible for what's happening to you. So it's important to reach out for professional help. There is also a province-wide number that you can you can call at any time of the day. It's the Victim Support Services Hotline. And the number is one eight 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 five seven nine two eight eight eight. So again, it's one eight 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 five seven nine two eight eight eight, and that's a number for the victim support services. That's a province-wide number. And so we have quickly come to the end of today's show. We want to remind you that Elim is a non-profit organization. And we provide counseling for a wide range of issues, but we also need help uh, in the form of donation to help us to do the work that we do. And one way that you can support us now is by helping to contribute to this show on our 
Patreon page. You can go to Patreon's Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Elim Counseling. Counseling is spelled with two L's. And you can support this show on the Patreon, which is a crowdfunding a platform for podcasts such as these for as little as $5. Again, it's patreon.com. If you have any question about uh, this uh, show or any other show you'd like help, you can call us one eight seven seven five four four three five four six, or you can find out more about our other co- means of contacting us at elimcounselingministry.com. And so until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart, wanting to remind you also that the second part of this show is going to be next week, where we'll be going in more detail in what to do if you find yourself in this kind of relationship. So until next time, I'm praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and to keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Mm-hmm.